This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have you with us on episode two of this year's The Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. And my man, Craig Hutchison, has gone from the curse of the Wildcats to this. Jesus Christ, who oh, is that the best you've come with this week? You're quite brand, Shane. Hutchie, you sort of a triple-double, I see. You got the match-winning three points. You and John really got the Wildcats through to the playoffs. Congratulations, man. That's blasphemous, Damo, to start the sounding board. So I don't support that uh, poor attempt at humour from you. Sometimes you've got to know your limitations. Should I have chosen another song, by the way? I wasn't sure what to go with. And I knew the Choosing a Jesus Christ song would have problems in the eyes of some. So here we go again. But what should I have chosen, mate? mate maybe. You and him are not sort of you know, you know, great bedfellows, let's, let's say. So anyway, uh, thank you. To quite, oh, no, we'll, we well done. You, you got your team through. Starts again. So uh, sixth and we begin again Thursday night for those listening before the game. Hopefully we have a good bit of luck against the Phoenix. So nothing achieved yet. But to quote uh, the great EJ Witten, who only sort of eight kilometres from there back in the day, Damo, on the Wacker venue uh, in a similar spot under similar pressure, Said, what a bloody relief. That's kind of how it... Oh, I thought you were going to say we stuck it up him. <laughs> no. The what a bloody relief line was the one that uh, stuck with me. It was a relief, to be fair. And uh, well done to the players. They were incredible. And the coach, who... Yeah, now, pretty t- tall order to win by 11. I, I used to work with a, with a guy um, regularly, as we know, and you know him well, and the, and the world knew him well in this in this part of the world anyway. Um, Danny Frawley, who, who would often critique people's performances each week. And Hutchie... I am guaranteed to tell you that, that had he still been with us, he would have said to you today, Hachi, it's not about you. <laughs> he would have. <laughs> it's not either. It was about the players and the coach. So a relief. And it starts again. What, what an emotive day, though. I'll tell you what, to watch the first game by two hours and to have to ride those bumps and see the way Melbourne United play. One point, Damon, half a bucket. Yeah, I know. I know people are going to think this is an obvious thing for me to say, but it won't you won't be surprised at all to know that I was one of many owners advocating for the play-in tournament to, and to go from four to six for the, <laughs> the pageantry of the sport. And we've had one season of it in the NBL. Every game since Christmas, even 9v10 has felt like it had ramifications. It is the single biggest no-brainer known to man to extend out the AFL to wildcard. Oh, Dutchie, no, please don't, don't. You've got to stop this. Save your emails. No, That's no, no, view. stop it. I'm, I'm actually telling you now as a friend, actually someone who needs some counselling, stop. There's now 23 matches. There's now 23 matches for 18 teams to go down to eight, Hutchie. We don't need any more matches it to determine opens the up finalists. the back end of the season oh. and the excitement around it like no one's business. We are in the entertainment business. Would Hurry up and make the call. Just on that, how, how much more exciting could last year's last round have been? The, the Collingwood-Carlton game. There, there was, that, that was much, high-end much excitement. Much more exciting than you realise because if the NBL had been a four- finals season rather than six. You would have missed all of that incredible pageantry over the last six weeks. So. Hutchie, if, if last year had been a dead rubber in round 23, it wouldn't have mattered if you had a play-in for, for Collingwood versus Carlton. 
open up the season oh. to a play-in, it would have been magnificent in the AFL. You, hey, you just know, before I let you go, because I know you don't like, you get edgy and, and uneasy and awkward when, when I force you to talk about <laughs> you and the Wildcats. So how have you gone in the town? You, I see you being mobbed. We, we got so many photos sent to us. We even had, we, we, we were quite required at some stage to, to talk about your uh, your get-up and your, your shoeless, or sorry, sockless shoe-wearing look on the weekend. But you seem to be flavour of the month over there, Hutchie. You've gone from, as I said, back page of the West Australian several days in a row, including the headline, the curse of the Wildcats. Hutchie's curse it was. What does Ross Lyon say? Never as good as it seems and never as bad as it seems. That's been my experience to this date. It, uh, in all seriousness, it's been... Um, this fan base are unbelievable. They are so passionate, so invested, so knowledgeable. They feel so blessed to have inherited such love. And it's been great to get to know the culture and the history. And uh, yeah, I was just happy for the smiles on faces on Sunday because Friday night demo was brutal. Yeah, I saw that. It was brutal. <laughs> it was a poor performance and we had tail between our legs and uh, my Twitter feed was rightfully so filling up with um, criticism and uh, Sunday morning was a tough read. I read every comment and we showed up on Sunday and dust ourselves off and went again, Damon. That's what life's all about. Did, so did anyway. you get into the rooms before that final match and did you did you then uh, debrief as well officially? I, I know what you're like. You would have been in the rooms, but but how did you actually handle it personally? And I thought the coach did a fantastic job and he wore the Ted Lasso T-shirt, believe, to the press conference, which is great, <laughs> great fun. It was a very Ted Lasso-like winning performance on Sunday and we are playing with... We're not playing with house money, but we are certainly, um, you know, the cloud's been lifted a little bit. And there's, we'll the, there's the headline for who are you playing in the first uh, game? Playing the Phoenix. All right, we'll there, there it is. Hachi, Wildcats owner says, yep. quote, we are playing with house money. I said we're not playing with house money, but it's got a feeling of... No, you did say that. <laughs> it's got a little bit of a feeling of the cloud's been lifted a little bit and now we can get on with trying to win some games. And You would have seen Paul Smith's comments, the owner who uh, from the Sydney Kings, who said it would be one of the best five days of his life if... They could wipe the smile off our faces. <laughs> did he say that? Did he? In the final, so yeah. <laughs> and did you, did you so have a soft spot for the old, the, the team you you once yeah, owned, did, but yeah, then sold in a heartbeat before you bought the Wildcats? Did you have a feeling for them, the, the United team? Them and Adelaide, I felt for because they both had great seasons, and yeah, any time you lose that narrowly, I, I felt for them. So reached out to the, to a, a couple of old friends just to console them, and vice versa. And yeah, anyway, that's enough demo of the serious stuff. All right. Let's get on with it. Hey, you um, Journalism's had an interesting week. Yeah, it has. A few areas to get to here. First of all, uh, I'm told from within the bowels of the Herald Sun, you know, I've heard this everywhere from the five-point area through to batching, <laughs> through to, through to the um, funeral notices, through to classifieds. There's been talk in the real estate section. Uh, the food lift out have been talking about it. Uh, this has been... Cara Monson. Uh, uh, the guy that oversees the Fred Bassett cartoons had a view on this. No, that, didn't, uh, they get, didn't they get the boot? Ago? <laughs> didn't we discuss that as well? <laughs> the, the curator of the TV guide had a say. Everyone had a say about your, your stinging criticism of A, the Herald Sun coverage of the Australian Open, and B, your claim that this wouldn't happen on Peter Blunden's watch if he was still in charge. Those comments resonated through the building. I'm told there were some honest conversations. <laughs> and not, not nine hours afterwards, <laughs> Peter Rolf, who's the uh, – what's his role? He's the minister for – he's the affairs writer or something. I don't know what he, he is. He said, 
Tennis pours millions into economy. <laughs> Where tennis fans spent their cash. So, so and spent, there was a positive, this yeah. has been so good for Melbourne's story, that landed the next damn day after 14 days in a row of attacks. Now, 40, there, were, there were 27 days in a row of, this is the worst <laughs> tournament in the world, it's got to go, no one's going, the ratings are down. You stirred the hornet's nest. And then, and then and a little silly little podcast like we do has, been, has called it to account, or you've called it to account, I sat on the fence. And all of a sudden, there's been some crisis meeting. Someone's walked down from a hogany row or whatever it's called these days, where it used to be called. And we better do something about this. We're being perceived as being critical of our town. We are for Melbourne. Peter Rolf's going, I'll do it. I've just found this article Someone you, had... you flagged here. Australian Open 2023, this is after the event. Tennis pulls millions into economy. Oh, come on, Harold son. So there's been an argument, like all every journalist probably was on your side going, we've been saying this for weeks, we've been too critical. <laughs> and then someone's Peter Ross going, I'll do it. You, you, had the, the... you had the better line of anyone last week when you said that <laughs> Novak Djokovic beat Julian Linden uh, in straight sets. Yeah, so, now yeah, that, that, that a... Look, I, I don't want to start with Harold Sanhachi, so we'll, we'll just park We're going to move other... on from that. But no, I no, no, make, there's some other issues I want to get to because they, they, need, they need to be discussed again, but in that negative way, but I just don't want to we'll, make it all about that. We'll come, back to, we'll come back to that. Um, There's more rumours going around, I see, and we'll watch yeah, the space rumours. We need to get onto that. We'll yeah. come back to that. I just wanted to, to, you know, since I hung up the boots as a journalist a decade ago, and you've sort of, you've half hung them up. You dangle a bit of journalistic carrot every once in a while, <laughs> but you're generally an opinionist these days. So if I put one boot up, have I? <laughs> one added as screw-ins up. We like to try and take you a little bit behind the scenes of the dark art of journalism. <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm not a big as big a consumer as I was. I yes, you, are. you, you an, don't miss a thing, I see. You, you do not. Uber you still see more than I do during the, any course of a week. I don't know how you do it, but given your work 123 hours or whatever it is. So there's a few types of things that happen in journalism and I wanted to start the year on by taking you behind the scenes off. Right. Um, one is called the manufacturer. Or the tenuous link, all right? Yes. This is on my list for the year to keep a close eye on. Yeah. Those that manufacture a story. Oh, where do you start? Or find a, or find a tenuous link. Are, are now, we talking about the, the journos themselves or the people who are quoted as part of these stories? Well, it's both. There's two types of manufacturers. There's the journalist that gets out of bed and thinks, I'm going to create a story out of something today. Yep. Uh, or there's the editor who says, Herald I Sun's need you to create a story out of this. And throws the, the, the challenge at the journalist. So the manufacturer, um, A, I've been one many times myself along the way. <laughs> yes, indeed for, you have. For sake and of full transparency. Just for full transparency, I have to. And will no doubt continue to be again down the path with my one boot yep. on. Yep. B, it doesn't make it wrong because it's often a theory or a tenuous link that you create into a discussion point. And you've got to fill a space, either in a newspaper yeah. or, a, or a broadcast yeah. patch. Yep. There's often no factual error in the manufacturer's work, <laughs> but it is a bit of a tenuous link to something that may or may not happen. And without fail, always a manufacturer is right at the sweet spot of clickbait worthydom, right? <laughs> I saw one during the week. Okay. Harold Sun again. Oh. Fremantle forward Liam Henry linked to Melbourne amid Kasai picket trade speculation. So the theory of the Herald Sun is could Melbourne make a play at Fremantle's Liam Henry because he is quote unquote one of the best friends of Kasai Pickett. <laughs> and they're hitting the 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 headline on it was mystery twist in the Kasai So because Pickett's the hottest free agent, there's got to be some stories around him. What's another angle on this? <laughs> 
And then the Herald Sun's going, what about, hasn't he got a mate? Oh, do you reckon they could make a play for him? So there's no quotes, there's no attribution, there's no one saying they are going to have a look at it. But with Henry's contract coming to an end, the 21-year-old could consider a move elsewhere. With the Herald Sun going as far as to suggest the young docker could land at a Victorian <laughs> club next year. So... Could I go That's one step further? The, the good follow-up to that manufactured story could yep. be that Liam Henry might actually attract Cozzy Pickett to his club. Correct. You see, it, see the, that's the genius of the manufacturer. It, it's an extraordinary tenuous link. Yep. Um, I don't know of anyone really ever, maybe one or two in history, that have moved because they've got a friend at another club. Look, we're offering you 300 and they're offering you 700. Yeah, but I think he's a good bloke, though. I wouldn't mind going to well, play the, there. Well, the one that gets all the, the, the limelight over this, and I, and, and I do, it has got some um, plausibility to it, how it happened, was was Lockie Neal and yeah, no, um, McCarthy. McCarthy, yeah, from Geelong, who, who, yeah. who got this deal well, first, and then he, he said to the club, well, Lockie Neal's not all that happy uh, over at Fremantle. Well, and, and sure enough, he, I, he left the contract I, to go and join McCarthy, Link McCarthy. Half fact, half tenuous Link manufactured, to be honest. No yeah. one's ever, they, they've half dispelled it over the years, but the dispelling never gets run. Yep. The second art of journalism, so I'm looking for the manufacturer. If you see a manufacturer out there, let me know. But that was one that was um, you know, like baked it. in the morning. Before you go any further, I've said many times last year, as as the year unfolded on season seven of this uh, podcast with do, Hutchie, that you were in career best standing board form last year. If you're bringing stuff like this to the table in episode two, I can see a back-to-back All-Australian jacket for you this year. The second extension of the manufacturer is the validator. <laughs> So what the validator is, you'll see a lot of the validator. The validator pops up a lot. The journalist manufactures a story. I like this. Right? Yeah. Manufactures a story. Yeah. And in order to just frank the manufacturing, you need to introduce the validator who shares a similar view. And the skill to the validator is you have to you have to boost their resume while they're validating your story. Uh, right? is, the, is the validator often an opinion writer in the same organisation or, or an opinion expressor? You, you and I, by the way, we got we got used as the validators last week oh. in the Fox Sports story. <laughs> Fox Sports did a story about how Carl didn't mention on Michael Clark, and then Fox when Sports they, picked it up. They quoted us in this story. Fox and Sports it, picked out the rubbish we said last week about that, did they? And when it came time to introduce oh, our criticism... They, they called you veteran AFL journalists, and they called me a media mogul, neither of which are true, but we're being validated. Because we were being used to support their argument that Carl should have said it and we were supporting their clickbait, we were given bigger resumes than we, than we deserve it of. Of what interest is what we said last week about that topic to, to yep. Fox Sports, Hutchie? Of what interest? Surely. Oh, it's just a, a clickbaited. Carl... Um, Carl coverage it's a nerd with media uh, commentators. So and then we got we got to get validated, so they can't just say these two pickles running a podcast. <laughs> so they call you a veteran AFL journalist, and they call me a media mogul. Neither of which are true. So see if you can spot the validation in this paragraph here again okay. in the Herald Sun, Damo. <laughs> Jeez, you've brought some stuff already. It's good. Um, you ready for it? Yep. Um, Stephen Silvani's gone to St Kilda. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sub-editor, find out what you reckon Sauce is going to go and recruit. Can you come up with something that's got a carton hook on it? Yep, no problem. I'll go and do that. Righto, I'm going to write this story. Who am I? The Conning's got a contract. He's the obvious one. So here it is. Promising Carlton Tall, Tom DeConning will be on Stephen Silvani's recruiting radar. DeConning will be high on the wish list in a year with a free agency pool. Looks light for star bigs. Wait for the validation. See if you can find the person who agrees with the author. It is why Silvani will be keeping a close eye on the salary cap squeeze at Carlton and any opportunity to prize out one of the most exciting young tools in the game. Respected analyst Kane Corns. Oh. 
<laughs> has already suggested that Conning could be worth up to a million dollars a year. So Kane Corns, who they whack. <laughs> they whack endlessly. They whack Call endlessly. him a shock jock. Yeah. <laughs> say this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, but when he's needed as a validator, he's reinvented as yeah. a respected analyst. <laughs> so who wrote that one, Hutchie? I don't know who the actual author was, but it was in the Herald Sun. Well, so I, there you go. For what it's worth, I, I actually agree with that angle. There's no doubt Stephen Silvani will be trying to wrench uh, Tom DeConning out of uh, Sam, Tom well, DeConning out it's of. Like uh, saying, it's like saying you're going to a steakhouse and are you interested in the steak offer? Well, of course he's interested in DeConning. There's not. How could you not be interested in DeConning? There's not a, not a world where he says he's not for us. He's a 22 year old key position superstar. Of course he is. Like there's no there's no negative to that. But when you want to validate it, you need to find someone who thinks he's worth a lot. Who do we know recently who val- ah yes Kane? So I reckon the author's written Kane Corns already suggested and the sub's gone. Respected analyst Kane Corns. Just validates the story, right? right. So there you go. Look right. for the validator. Well, I, I brought some journalistic area topics to the, the equation today too. One. You want the third one? Oh, uh, yeah. You keep going. You're on a roll. You keep going. The third one is this: when you are writing a news story, were you told um, that if it's a news story, that your opinion uh, has no role in the news story itself? You can write Absolutely. a subsequent yep. um, piece that says my view is this. Yes. But if you're covering the he said, she said, yeah. you're, you're not to um, offer opinion. Right? No, you, don't, you don't inject that into the actual news part of it. But, and, and I've I mean, I bagged that paper a lot, Hutchie, but what I've always will attribute and, and love about it, the, the, the teachings I got as, a 18, as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, yep. um, were, 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 were extraordinarily thorough. And to your point about okay. that aspect of it, this is going way back, obviously, in a different era before the media became what it is today, unfortunately. Uh, was that just that? Yeah, you, you you remove. In fact, you weren't allowed to have an opinion for until you're yep, probably the age of forty-five. We were. Well, that's how we were taught. Yep. I think the teachings of the Herald Sun, in particular, are world class. Way back. Not now, clearly, but way back. Yes. I, I I feel like the education we got was awesome. It was. And the sub editors there are brilliant. Yeah, uh, I think, and would edit out any attempt to put opinion. Yep into a story because they'd say that's not your role unless it's... But the landscape's changed, Hutchie. I mean, we've discussed that regularly. In fact, we discussed yep. that on the Series 1 of the Standing Board, what was it, eight yep. years ago now. So we, we've discussed that regularly. So the landscape is purely different. So I'll um, I'll read out the first four paragraphs of this story in the Daily Telegraph. Can you tell me if you think page three, yeah. paragraph three, yeah. is, is reasonable? <laughs> right, this is from Paul Crawley. Gee, you've had some spare time this week. Outstanding journalist. He is. Manly legend Peter Peters has fired back as of criticism of new coach Anthony Seabold, declaring he won't be silenced by a coach on pea plates over his comments about Tommy Turbo. Good first part. Good, good comes after, first part. Yep. It comes after Seabold belittled his views of the former premiership winning Manly player, saying what Peter said about Tommy Turbo was not a quote-unquote educated comment. Right? Yep. So he's got quotes from both camps. Seabold saying, buddy, you know, you're talking about Peter Peters. Peter Peters saying, you're a coach on people. Yep. So it's you, you, you're going to want to read on from that point. Yep. yep. Paragraph three. Yep. The fact is, the now 77-year-old not only played at the top level, but has also worked as a journalist for over 50 years, earning tremendous respect for his honesty and insight. So we've taken a side? Like that. And he wasn't <laughs> backing away from what he said about Turbo. So that, that paragraph there, Damo, mate, <laughs> is Paul Crawley saying... This is the fact. He's fifty. Worked here for fifty years. He's seventy-seven. He's respected. His honesty. His insight. And here's his comments on. He's taken a side of that no, story. You know what he's doing, Hutchie? He's using Peter Peters as the validator. 
the Velvetor. So he's he's running his opinion through Peter Peters, but he's actually um, he's pushing Peter Peters as and he's, he doesn't say. The fact is, Anthony Seabold is an outstanding coach who's been given a great opportunity at Manly and deserves to be able to say what he wants about his place. He's he's giving Peter Peters the resume in paragraph three and he's calling it a fact. You can't do that in a news story, Damo. Well, you can Am do I right or wrong? You can do whatever Should you want. Should it have been subbed out? You can do whatever. Well, it would have been in the past. Old yes. days it would have been. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It might have been a reference down later on. Peter Peters, you know, in the second last paragraph, Peter Peters once played, once was a journal. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to move it along a bit, Hutchie. Um, Sorry, I'm going to take it. Hold the conversation up. No, I like uh, it. By the way, hashtag the validator if you see one. Uh, we'll read them out through the year on the sounding board. All right. Uh, Rachel Miller appeared at the uh, robo debt inquiry, the parliamentary inquiry into the farcical robo debt scheme of the federal government some years ago. Uh, Rachel Miller, formerly working for a minister at the time, and had been in the news for other reasons. But Hutchie, now, I, I was going to talk about this. I already flagged it with Jane, but Media Watch has done all the heavy lifting on this topic for us last night. And uh, we've just got a, a, at a 30 or so second um, repackaging of what Media Watch did last night really, really thoroughly and very, very well on the use of certain media, even individual you'll see being named here, by governments when headlines aren't going their way. That involved, you know, placing stories with the, um, you know, the more friendly media, the right-wing media, about how the coalition was actually catching people who were cheating the welfare system. You worked with them and provided them with the information which would enable the story... Um, yes. Yes. ..to be written in a way that the minister liked. Yes. Or at least presented in a way that the minister liked. Yes. And Simon Benson was very good at doing that. Your man. Simon Benson, Your that man. name is the name of the non-disclosed SCOMO secret ministry that yes. he sat on during the election Correct. to write the book. I knew you'd have a reaction to that name, which is why we uh, left that part of it in. It was extraordinary uh, As soon as you evidence. heard that name, it was like a like a... A pokey machine went off in your mind, wasn't it? Like, so there's a couple of aspects of that. I mean, some of a very senior journalist and very, very, very successful and good journalist wrote the book about ScoMo. But to your point, on last year's sounding board, you had a real issue with how he knew at the time that ScoMo had taken on all these other portfolios, but chose not to, as a journalist, report them at the time, but contained the content in a book that he released, which was equally um, impactful, but not in a time frame that necessarily influenced voters and, and whatnot. So we discussed that last yeah. year. But what he, what to he hear, did, was it in the national interest or in his paper's interest no, at the time, no. in my view? Um, but to get back to the, I suppose, the wider premise of why I want to talk about this, we, we know this goes on. Huh? See, it happens at government level, clearly. It happens in business. We know it happens in footy club. We've both been the beneficiary of people wanting to, to plant certain angles just to get other people away from the hotter topic. And look, that'll happen again. But but to hear at an official government inquiry the specifics and, and how it was planned, and there's a whole lot more detail to that. And for anyone who wants to explore this particular issue wider, go back to the full media watch of last night, but even just um, catch up with what Rachel Miller did say by way of transcript form when she did appear at the RoboDead inquiry um, last week at some stage. It, it does make for, and I'm just talking about this purely from the journalistic side of it, extraordinary listening to, to see it all laid bare officially in a government inquiry. Do you think you're close to the political scene in Canberra? Your brother is, of course, Mini-Me, who's the uh, lookalike of you, who's the once Tony Abbott minister now advising Peter Dutton. And by the way, 
not sure he made all the right decisions around the funeral, your brother, but that's another story for later on in the podcast. Do you think that political journalists turn out, are they influenced by their contacts or their politics, political journalists? Uh, you're probably influenced by your sources at, at some stage of, the, you, of that question too, aren't you? Like, do you think you could be a right wing, as that was quoted in the parliamentary, but end up being left wing because you've got more relationships on that side or you get more mail or like, where, how does it, Yeah, where does the evil begin and end, Damo? Well, are you allowed, again, I, I hate talking in left wing and right wing term. I, I really do. I just think it's, I think it's lazy a lot of the time. But, like, but, you, but, but, you, but if you're left wing, are you getting a job at the Australian? No, you're not, are you? I would look back on my run as, as a journalist and think I had a lot of flaws, but my biggest flaw was I was influenced by the, the last person I spoke to. Or yeah, who I was I'd agree to. with that with you. I would agree yep. with that with you. Yep. Yep. Um, Whereas I, I hold on to stuff I hear yeah. ages ago, and, and you know, sometimes to my detriment, by the way. And, yeah, and you're I, naturally naturally cynical. So you no, no, no. I'm naturally trusting Hutchie, and and, and that's why I, I'm I'm prepared to give weight to something I heard prior to the last conversation yep. I had. You, you would just run off and go with the last thing you heard, and and most of the time it was right, Hutchie. No, don't get no, me no, wrong. But I, I, my my opinions would be influenced by people that I liked and their their opinions too too readily and too quickly. Yeah, I think I we think. do that. that um, that's that's human nature, though, isn't it? I, I think anyone no, would do I, that. And so that um, that was my flaw as a journalist, and I do, I found it harder as I got older to overcome that. Uh, you having a natural degree of cynicism and oh, I'm no, not no, sure no, it's I'm called, it's called trust, Hutchie. No, it's called, it's, like, called, it's uh, called preparedness and, and willingness to believe everyone until I, I know they've lied to me. That, that that's and I still do that. But in, I'm not trying to be pure about that. It's just that how I operate. It seems like there's an increasing number of journalists who are either in one camp or the other. Yeah, it doesn't does, it? doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and I know that, which um, doesn't make it better. And the other thing too is actually no one's listening to the the media anyway when it comes to this stuff. I mean, we, we the, the the News Limited organisation hasn't got a, an election right now for what since about yeah. two thousand and two, has yep. it? So right. yeah, so so it's um it's interesting, but I, I think um and we've moved on from Simon Benson not to level this at him or the right of the uh, oh well, he, he was level it was leveled at him um, in, a, in a parliamentary inquiry. I mean, there's uh, you know. But I would think, as a journalist, if you're getting a good pipe of information from one part of the floor, yep, you you are you are going to start to form a bit more of a sympathetic ear or view to well, the. Well, provided the information stacks up. I mean, uh, again, in rolling stories like you know yeah. certain stories, Essendon drug yep. saga, Hawthorne racism, you know, the the, the information is never ever going to be proven right or wrong. So that yep. those types of stories, from a football perspective, anyway, AFL perspective. They're just manifest from heaven for for certain journalists who who just want to just get their names out there on a daily basis without any meaning. But when it comes to proving fact, well, you've got to you've got to jump off the off the out of the out of the boat, don't you? When you know the person giving you stuff is 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 out out of line. In AFL football, I I've found that more often than not, not everybody, but more often than not, people um, cover their own team they barrack for. In an in a in a manner that's not perfect, because they are influenced one way or another by their love of the club. So you've either got the cheerleader, who does the positive story about the club all the time because they and we know I can give you hundred examples of those. We've probably talked about a lot of them over the years. Uh, or you've got the person who's too hard on their own club, 
because they're frustrated at how they're going. James, it, James pointing at me here, Hatchie. <laughs> <laughs> you and North spring to mind. You very rarely get balanced coverage of a football journalist on their own team, I don't think. Yeah. Well, again, it, all Is I can fair? say, at my age now, I, 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 I can honestly say I am totally removed from any allegiance to that club. Yes, I will continue to be a member. I will continue to buy memberships for that's my two my, boys. That's my point. No, 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 no. Is, but, but that's separate. That's just to make probably make me, myself feel better about the club I grew up loving. Okay? That's that side of it. But in terms of anything else, I, I, I couldn't care for it in, in terms of the way I present it. And, and I don't, right I don't now find that an issue. Rolling their eyes like I am at your defensiveness on this, <laughs> uh, which speaks to my point that some people are either harder on their team, uh, a.k.a. you, or they're more lenient on their team. Let's just use Mark Stevens as the poster <laughs> child of that for the Bulldogs for the sake of discussion. <laughs> I don't think that's unreasonable to say Steve always loves the dogs and, you know, Jack Redpath running laps is a story on the news on a Wednesday night. Um, so that's they're – the, they're the two Bromers. In politics, it's a narrower field, right? You've only really got two or three parties. Jack Redpath. I think, he, I think that was a story one night. He yeah, was. He ran laps. In in, uh, in December. In December. Yeah. Back running laps, good sign for doggies fans down at the kennel. Um, so it's – um. That happens. So yep. in, in Canberra, we see a bit more of it because it's a smaller um, field of who you support or don't. But it's interesting that it's getting called out. Now, Hutchie, I want to bring something new to the table uh, oh. this year. Um, You've been now, talking about a new segment or something. Is that yeah, right? now, drink. This, we are here, by the way, for drink-wise. If you're choosing to drink this off-season, yep. choose to do it carefully, responsibly, and drink-wise. Now, this is my last one show, okay? So I... I, I Volunteer this, knowing you may not like it, our, our listeners may hate it. Okay, so I'm prepared for that, and and I'm still prepared to go on with it today at least. Okay, risky. Yeah. Now I, I, might, I might need you to help me over the journey because we haven't got a stinger yet. Jane's aware of what I'm about to do, but I don't think you've got anything prepared, Jane. Jane's got a lot of uh, faith in it. If she hasn't been prepared to put a stinger, she's not going to do all that work for one effort. Well, it's got to earn. It's got to earn the stinger. Jane's saying in the I background. Think, I think you got Jane doing <laughs> doing about forty eight other jobs, Hutchie. And I think Jane's commitment to this show. It's still. I think it's still number two to uh, don't shoot the messenger, but what, only just hanging on. If I think. Carol and Corrie had wanted a stinger. That had been. She'd been at eleven o'clock at night doing it. I'm just fine. Actually, that's a good point. Actually. That, that actually, that is a good point. Yeah, <laughs> I think Jane's only just hanging on at the moment with with what workload you've given her, Hutchie. But I, I have full faith in Jane. If this works, we, we may okay. get a stinger next week. So it's going to be along the lines of, I'm calling this out. Okay, so I need you to work with me on this, right? And and my my foray into this segment today, Hutchie. I'll, I'll do this thing for you now on the sounding board. <laughs> I'm calling it out with Damien Barrett. That might do, Jane. Can you put a record over that? And that could be the stinger. All right, Hutchie. So today's issue, an edition of I'm going to call this out. No, it's I'm calling it out, isn't it? I'm. You, you want to wash you your hands of it? You can't give it a second name. Are you, you, you going to wash Are you washing your hands of it in case it blows up? I'm calling it out with Damien Barrett. Yep, go yep. for it. Plastic bags. And the whole plastic bag situation. Now, I am all for Hutchie. I am all for doing as we're asked to do by authorities, in, in any space, but particularly when it comes to, to how the environment is. Hutch. Now, I'm not a greenie, okay? I don't, I've never voted for greens, okay? But I will do my bit whenever and wherever I can. We've recently, in our area, been given a, a third bin, which is uh, the uh, the food um, leftover stuff, and we are doing all we can as a family to, to do the right thing by that. So I'm just wanna, I just want to table that. But this whole plastic bag thing, I'm calling out the plastic bags, Archie, because while the supermarkets, right, have banned, as they call them, single-use plastic bags, yep. there's never been more plastic in a supermarket. If you haven't got a plastic bag, you can still buy one for 15 cents, okay? So I don't know how that marries up with we're banning plastic bags. And, and those 15-cent plastic bags, they are they are 
uncompostable. They, they, they would last. You, you, you could build a house out of the plastic strength in those bags. You go to the meat section, Hutchie, and if you want to buy a you know scotch fillet, a rum, or anything, you have to cut through, I reckon, two inches at one point of plastic just to get to the meat that you need. You, you could build a house out of the plastic in a meat. You, I saw a photo last week. Now, it wasn't in my supermarket, but I saw a photo last week. Someone posted... Pineapples. Now, pineapples, as far as I know, Hutchie, you've got a pretty good casing around the content you want to buy, okay? There's a yep. nice shell, nice covering of it, wrapped up individually in plastic. I'm calling out the entire plastic industry and how we as consumers are forced to mould our behaviours around this practice, which I'm happy to play, while the plastic industry is never getting stronger. <laughs> I'm calling it out, Hutchie. So you think we're being hoodwinked into thinking we're buying less plastic yep. and we're actually buying more. Okay, and here's the here's the clincher. We've got no more plastic straws, okay? So I get that. And then they, they that stuffs up bird life and fish life. And, I, and I, get, I get all the reasons for it. And I agree with the p- projects about banning plastic. I get all that. <laughs> but you can't get a plastic straw now in a drink, but guess what? It comes in a plastic cup with a plastic lid. <laughs> I'm calling it out, Hutchie. <laughs> Red wow. done. Yeah, Wow. Okay, well, let's, look, look, where do I start Pull it, pull it apart, Hutchie, for me. Unpack that. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts on the social media during the week. On and, and I want on ideas. Facebook. Yeah, and when you do, I want so you, ideas for calling it out. It's hashtag, my opinion. Hutchie's got to wash his hands it every out. week. <laughs> hashtag calling it out. Hashtag plastic. Was Damo on the money? Do you think this has another run? Um, look, well argued. Um, <laughs> well not, argued. The, not the topic I would have thought you'd start with, but interesting. Well argued. Um, struggled to really get to the source of what you're saying for a while, but you finished strongly. Um, what I couldn't get past was the idea of you having three bins, because I was thinking yeah. about the neighbour dispute in my head the whole time. I'm thinking, do you share the said bins with the neighbour on that side of the fence? And if so, how is the coexist with the bins going with the said neighbour? You end up in court with last year. We, we, we put the, our neighbour's bins out, and they will bring them in at, at times. There's, there's, it's unspoken. We don't even see each other, but, but bins on either so side of my on. property hang on, go out as a collective, and they come in as a collective. And, and I do say- my share on that, by the way. That will surprise you, but I do my – in fact, I think I do more than my share of Are that. Maybe in my own household, but – That the neighbour that – um, cause such conjecture when there Has was you let a, it go? I've told you a that. building and flooding issue. I mentioned last something year, to you in passing over a, over, over a a quick coffee we had, you, and you've made World War Three out of it. So you stop had it, to please. move out of your home for a year because of the said neighbour. Nine months it was next yeah, door neighbour during COVID. Yes, yeah. um, I mentioned that they sent a legal letter to the sounding board. One of other than uh, the other famous one, one of the rare legal letters, and. Um, what was the other this legal letter? A, what, what, I'm missing this. What's the other one? This is well. This has been a. Re- so I got a legal letter from your neighbour saying stop no, talking you, about our neighbourly dispute. You've moved back in. You haven't spoken to them since. Yes, we you're do. Telling we, speak, the sounding, we speak every day. If, if we see each other every day, we'll speak every day. You're telling the sounding board fraternity that you share bins and no, no we don't share them. bins. We share a um, opportunity to take them in and yes, out together. Yes, that, that's a good oh, way of phrasing goodness. it. Yep. Yep. See, what is that like? And, and that never token? changed, Hutchie. That never changed. It never will change. That's just the way we are. But when I say we, <laughs> we, our family and their family. Do, do their lawyers and your lawyers know about this? <laughs> Get back to the plastic, please. <laughs> I see. I take your point. I take your point. <laughs> I'm not certain. I, well, I, can see, no, I, I can see where you're coming from. I'm on board. I'm okay. Um, by the way, can, 
Um, can I just? We've been talking about the bomb a little I, bit. I will need I, topics though on calling it out though, because I will run dry over the course yep. of, a, of a year. Okay, oh, no, so I people, that's, help me. That was your that was your lead topic. I'd suggest there's not a lot of weeks in it. Well, maybe that, we might make it a semi-regular. Like, like, that would have uh, been one of those ones where I'm stuck for one this week. I might go with the plastics. <laughs> but you've actually led with that as your lead topic, so that's interesting. Um, I, I am mixing my programs here because I have been on a rampage against the bomb, the Bureau of Meteorology, oh, on, yes, both, yes. on both the off-the-bench program on a Saturday morning and on the sounding board. And I've yeah. traditionally tried to keep both sticks pretty similar, but this, is, this has been one of those issues that unites both programs. <laughs> it does. The bomb last year had. I the sent Bureau. you this last night. So yeah, the yep. bomb had the absolute shocker last year, where they brought in the three different agencies to yep. do a rebrand, and they paid for a bunch of consultants and came up with a word. They want to be called Bureau of Meteorology because the bomb, yep. and then they had to put out the apology and all that, and then yep. they've had. And at the same time, since... they changed the the predictions of rain to to yep. you will get zero to two mils to. Yep. Um, fifty percent of no rain, seventy five percent. Whatever it is, Hutch. You, you yeah, know. so they've, they've lost their confidence. They, they did. They're, and, they're rattled. And, we're, and, we're, and they're rattled. And we're part of this, unfortunately. We don't. We didn't mean to. It wasn't our intent for everyone. To, but they, they've never been less decisive. In fact, they, they, they got in the morning, they say, you figure it out for yourself, basically, in half the messages. Like, it's they leave so much range now. And used, they used to have confidence. It's going to rain today. Now it's oh, a 50% chance it might, 25% chance it won't. Yesterday, Damo, you yep, sent me this. I did. <laughs> I, I knew you'd like this. So you, you, you drive this, though. <laughs> the Melbourne radar. Yeah. Right? This is, this is, a, this is a, a, a sign and a little statement on their homepage. Melbourne radar will be unavailable <laughs> from the 6th of 2nd, 23 yeah. to the 10th of 2nd, 23 <laughs> for maintenance. <laughs> Let me get this straight. So what are they going to do? What are we going to do for five days? Let me get this straight. <laughs> the Weather Bureau, the bomb, is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, by-the-minute, by-the-hour product that people need to know. Is it going to rain this hour? Because it could affect my business, my life, my livelihood, my yep. farm. Yep. And in February, Damo, yep. they're taking four days off. So hang on. We, we, we like to time code this show, so I'm just looking at my phone. Today's yep. the seventh. So th- this started yesterday. So this is we're already into day two. If yep. this radar no, no, not working no, on no, the bureau, no, no bureau. You guys will be fine for four days. We we got maintenance. <laughs> so what, here's my. What do you reckon they'd be doing, Hachi? I've got a few. <laughs> what do you reckon so they'd the, be doing? If the bomb executive team are listening, no, to no, this, the bureau, the bureau. Yep. If it's Monday morning management meeting right now, and the bomb says, "Well, that's a criticism last week on a hokey podcast," <laughs> and they're reviewing the criticism. Uh, this is my advice, everyone. Yep. Hit yep. record at the exec. Hang on. Is this Walk- is this Spin City? No, this is actually some advice. Okay. Walk down the corridor, um, knock on the door of the overstaffed HR department you no doubt have. (laughs) Say, can you join us in exec? And when the seven execs are in uh, HR come down and sit at the table, say, listen, do you think we could stagger the annual leave so that we've always got someone on at some stage that could tell us when it's going to rain today? Because we can't everyone off at the same time for maintenance. That's not how it works in a 24-7, 365 business. It'd be like our radio station saying, we're taking this week off, got a few people away. You can't do it, Damo. <laughs> you can't have maintenance no. for four days on the Bureau. Are they maybe inserting extra chips into the radar machines? Maybe? Are they doing? trying to get more accuracy so they can reduce these um, or, or remove these 50%, 75% prognostications, which are just a guess? I think they're having job interviews looking for yeah. people who have firm opinions. <laughs> They're like, I've got another guy coming in tomorrow. He looks like you know, it looks like he's man of his conviction. 
see if we can get him to do it. I still recall, and I still wasn't there at the time, um, there was one of those storms, and, the, and, was, and then the phrase came out, which happens every three years these days, it was a once-in-a-100-year storm, and, and it was, yep. you know, it, it decimated. Like, I remember the, the piers around the bay all got destroyed. So it was a serious storm, and it came out of nowhere. I, I might just, just to amuse myself, I went back and read that, that day's paper of the day in question when the storm came. The forecast didn't did not mention even a trickle of rain. So I I've had a, a really low view of what they do for some time, Hutchie. Yeah, are they looking for more decisive people, or are they moving into a let's keep the door ajar era? Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll affect their hiring. Clearly, they've got more people. They've got too many people on annual leave at the one time. It's, look, it happens to all of us. Um, it does. <laughs> but the HR team have got to be stronger on this. They got to say we can't afford to have the four lead. Meteorologists away. Otherwise, we have to put out notes like this saying we're you know, closed for maintenance. That's not ideal. No good. Hey, um, now, the All-Star Mile Hutch, you know my views on that, and I think the listeners to this program know my views, where Amanda Elliott um, described Peter Volandis as a, as a silly little man one year, and then three weeks later was part of a, a Victorian racing initiative to introduce oh, you, the All-Star Mile. By the way, did you see last week your racing comments uh, were picked up by our SEN track network, and you became... Fodder politically in the racing media. Was I a validator or a manufacturer? <laughs> well, you were. Well, I think you were. You were. Um, you were scoffed at. I think. What did I say? Well, you were critical of. Like you were told to stay in your lane, basically. Oh, who by? I think it was tags. Um, it was no. It was giddy up. Gareth also is uh, influences the racing agenda every day, and it wasn't Gareth, but it was one of his guests who said, "You know, pull up, demo." I think, which is fair enough. What, what, what did I say though? Well, for those who, for those new listeners to the sound, but we, we this whole show is built on staying out of our lane. We have no knowledge or opinion on anything we're talking about. <laughs> we declare it though. We just talk rubbish for yep. this period of time. Um, uh, no, so I just wanted to go back. So I pick up the Herald Sun yesterday, actually, as I do, as it gets delivered. Uh, page one, page one, strip ad, All Star Mile. Yep. I, I yep. turn, I turn that page, and then the entirety of page two and three, which in the industry is referred to as a double page spread, is a complete ad on the All Star Mile. And then you love this little bit, the um, the attached editorial that goes with it. Then on yep. in the both the general part of the paper and the. Uh, and the sports sections. And then I, I get to the, the launch of the All-Star Mile yesterday and I see they've come up with an amazing concept to, to launch this, um, you know, this magnificent race where the public can vote in horses and they still pick and choose whichever horse they want anyway. But they can have a, you know, a, a slot race, which Peter Volandi's introduced and they scoffed at some years ago and they've got it at about a third of the prize money of that Peter Volandi's race. So we have a, a, a launch project, which is a scooter race of celebrities. That's going to get the uh, interest levels up, isn't it? See, like, this won't surprise you to know I'm on an entirely different page on this than you are. Well, you, your, whole, your whole business is funded by the, the gambling industry, so I'm sure you No, I just you have are. a more pragmatic view of things than you do. And you, you're always starting to assume racing is negative on everything. No, 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 just so. Victorian racing, Hutchie. Because we, we've got to move the Cox Plate to allow Volantis to take over the, you know, that little patch of uh, space between the Caulfield Cup and Melbourne Cup. Because that, that's a good idea. Let, let's, let's move the Cox Plate away from that time on the calendar. Yeah, a real, real good idea. Let's, let's do that. And let's discuss would, it and then probably keep it anyway, but let's discuss it for three weeks. I would argue that you've been completely wrong on this. The What the Herald Sun have done is been able to flush out the revenge spend from Racing Victoria. <laughs> so the Revenge they, spend? Well, they worked with Racing New South Wales commercially, as they're entitled to do. They're a commercial business with a commercial platform. They took a commercial opportunity with Racing New South Wales. It was smart business by them, smart business by news. You didn't like it because of the wear for Victoria, but... In the end, Race of Victoria had to do basically the same thing. You know, the T's are on the front, the page two ad, the page three ad in the editorial. It would have been expensive. But they expensive. took money for it, yeah. It would have been expensive, but I think reasonable. 
um, thing to do for everybody. And that's what the business they're in, Dame. I don't know if you, if you realise that. They're an ad-funded model. No, I'm talking about... I'm having, a crack at, I'm having a crack at Racing Victoria yet again, or whoever controls whatever goes on in it. But, yeah. And, I, and the All-Star Mile needs aggressive support, marketing, promotion, and it builds. And the... The, the unfair advantage, we talk about unfair advantage, the unfair advantage they got is it's publicly vo- uh, voted for. So that needs telling that story. And I think they've done it well. So I disagree with you entirely. Of course on you do, Hutchie. You, you, you are a friend of the uh, racing industry financially in everything. And, and, and I don't hold industry. that against you. I mean, you're just being smart where the money is at the moment. But of course, you, you are never, ever going to criticise any aspect of racing in this country. No, that's not true. Be it in Victoria, WA, South Australia, that's another story, South Australian racing, but that's, or Sydney that's, or that's New South Wales. Not at all true. No, it is. Um, it is. But I, if I'm racing Victoria, I'd be doing exactly what they've done. And if I'm the Herald Sun, I would be taking the deal too. So what, what's your problem with that? Would you be allowing, and, if you were the Herald Sun, for the publication of, of rumours that, that um, clearly identify certain people? I didn't like that on the weekend, I must admit. You didn't? It was uncomfortable. It was it was just another another rumor because it, it going back about five years, Hutchie, same reporter, Alice Costa, wrote wrote stories, and that, there was a series of stories about the same rumor, and and every single sign off on each rumor being released through her work was watch this space, watch this space, and I kept watching the space because I was waiting for the you know the revelation of who it was and what it was, and it just went away, and and it went away, Hutchie, because it it, it wasn't right. And the person in question was felt was forced to deal with it. Um, I don't even want to give the specifics. I'm in mean, two minds as to whether to read the whole rumor story out again today or just to talk. Yeah, about I would. I wouldn't. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I'm in two minds. I've got it. I've got a screenshot of it. Don't, if, don't, if, don't if, read prepared it. to do it, to, so our listeners know what we're talking about, or to just don't, let it go because it's it, it. it is so unfair. If, if you want to write it, write it and name the people. I'd have more respect for the journalist journalism around that if that is the way you want to approach it because that way that way we're not you know we're not putting or you're not wanting your, your listeners and your sorry your, your readers to put two and two together and come up with what whoever you, you want us to think it is so maybe anyway I, I, but how does it get published touch yeah how's there not a mechanism in there for someone to say because as I keep saying shine that torch in that same building where these stories are published from there's more stories in that building of this nature if they want to go down that path so Anyway, I've got a bit worked up in a way that I didn't think I would actually when I started talking about it, and I'm not going to read it out. But it's just, honestly, it, it, it infuriates me, that style of journalism, Hutchie. It, it was written in a way that alluded to the fact that it, there was, well, it a paragraph was. In the, there's a paragraph in there that suggested it was a fact. I, I, and I, that's, you, the, the author could not, look, could, not know, could not know that. No. Look, look, if it's true, write it. I mean, if, if it's true, write it and name names and, and, and yep. tell everyone who it is. But but to write it in that way, it's, yeah, it's it was, worse it was written than naming a, names. It was written in an unreasonably indicative way of um, identification of subject yep. um, without any knowledge, fact, or yep. validation of it being yep. wildly inaccurate or otherwise. So now I, I don't know whether it's true. I, I don't I, in the journalist. I don't care if it's true. I mean, I, I, you know my views. Consensual relationships, if they exist, fine, go for it. But when it when it comes to the reporting of this matter in the, in that way, I, I just don't get it. It's a hard it. thing to unwind. It's like it's yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. Well, I, I thought you might have taken a different view on that because you often do when it comes to me attacking that paper. But you you agree with that one? Yeah. No, I think um, I'm I'm a um. Yeah, I, I see the I see the news limited world differently to you. I understand that some of the um, behaviours and challenges aren't ideal, but I also think they do a lot of great work. Um, on this particular instance, I thought that was a fail. And and 
Now you got me worked up again, Archie, as you always do. You put these topics in. Um, with the Essendon, I didn't, player, I didn't raise it. Essendon's not guilty. I see. Ten years after the event. Oh, here we go. <laughs> he couldn't resist, could you? No, we might have to stop it. We might have to. Stop it. <laughs> Why do you say that, though, mate? Like, so I'll, let me just defend the behaviour before you get into it. A, we talked about anniversary journalism a lot on the sound. Yeah, we do, and, and it's we, a reasonable and it's a big anniversary. Ten years. I, I, I have done. You broke an the story and you forgot the anniversary yourself. That's how big an anniversary it was. <laughs> no, it's just that I. Did you know it was the anniversary of the ten years of yeah, you I breaking did, the story? The, yeah, I did, but, but there's no way I was going to delve into it again. Like, yeah, in, in, this about, forum, in this forum, we're talking about Essendon. Yeah, we are. Um, so a couple of things here. A, it's a ten year anniversary, so it's a big milestone. B, you know it's going to clickbait that socks off. Well, and, and see, you know, you? it's a dead. And see, it's February. I, I it's a dead time you know of what? Footy. I haven't clicked on one, Hutchie, because I know what the content is before I click on it with the so Herald Sun. So I have zero issue with the Herald Sun revisiting it for a few days, and I have zero issue with Robbo and Michael Warner, who are both figures in it. Whether you like their coverage or not, they are both central figures in it, covering it. So that's fair enough. Yep. Um, with that being said, what's your issue? You think they've been? Um... No, they're, they're they're innocent. The players are innocent, and Job should get his Brownlow back. And 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 no one, the club knows. No, no, this is the, this is the lie. The club doesn't know what the players were given, but guess what? It does know that whatever they were given was not illegal. Okay, so we we need to marry those two statements up, and and every single statement endorses the fact that what happened to those players, and I'm not sympathetic to the players, actually. I wasn't at the time, and I, don't, and I, and I, and I don't resolve from that view. They, they allowed, and you even see what Stuart Cramery said, they allowed injections to go in without knowing anything about what was in that in that. See, in see that it's fussed out, out some good journalism. Now. Like I only half read it on the way in this morning, but getting Cramery to speak was a good get. He hasn't really told his story, so I was interested in that. I actually only read the first three paragraphs. I'll go back and read it in a quiet moment at the airport later today. Um, so no issue with that. They got Dank to speak again. He said some stupid things. Well, he said some interesting things. Um, but that's um, Dank said some interesting things. That were some claims that we hadn't heard before. So like, it just you don't have to agree with what the authors are saying to um, understand or form a view that they are trying to tell stories. There's still angles on this thing ten years on. It's unbelievable. They're still no, but they're, they're, they're innocent. That was the theme, Hutchie. And that's that's my point. I mean, again, well, I, I get all the journalism, and 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 I and I don't disagree with you when you, when it comes to content. I mean, we've all done it. We'll do it hey, again. And but that's not new news. Like Robbo and Michael have formed that view largely incorrectly. Incorrectly. No, 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 no incorrectly. No, no, they they, they got they got banned by the world's governing body, Hutchie. Tamo, that is. My view, and the courts and also is, threw James Hurd's two cases mind. out. They're, they're the highest opi- courts of the land. Hang on, hang on a minute. An opinion is neither right nor wrong. It is an opinion. It is my opinion that that they did the wrong thing, and it is your opinion that they did the wrong thing. Robbo and Michael Warner have a different view to ours. It's not like that's an undisclosed opinion. They've been on the public record for ten years, so of course they're going to write from that angle, and they're entitled to, and they've sliced out good journalism, and that's great. So I don't know what you, what what would you be worried about like on that? The, their opinions are well known. They're not right. They're not wrong. They're an opinion. All right, all right. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> you worked up the MVP of Series Eight, Episode Two. Is that it? Yeah, Here we, we go. We'll. we'll uh, do you want to bring back Spin City next week? I heard. Um, yeah, I do. Actually, in passing that people ask me about Spin City and they wonder why you don't do it anymore. I heard that there's a um, particular interest in Spin City in the Canberra Press Gallery at the moment. So. I didn't it? know it was a thing there. Yeah, so... <laughs> really? Next week, if you want to come up with a political spin city for me, I'll have a go. All right. So, James is reminding me, Hutchie, we haven't yet done Question of the Week, so we now will. 
On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Have you got a running sheet in front of you, Hutchie, or not? Yeah, I kind of do, but I only skim through it. Do you want to go yep. to page 11 of it, which is which probably the longest one we've ever had, because you've brought so much to the table, which I didn't know about until, you, until I saw today's Jane-edited yep. um, running sheet. Uh, do you want to pick one? There you go. Oh. You're always the arbitrator of these things. I've missed the well, five one there's a chance to have a crack at me if you want to see it. Anyway, we'll go with oh, that. Okay. Well, so, yeah, I'm interested. Where is it? Where is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was trying to lead you to it if you wanted oh, to. Is this Matt from Twitter? Uh, Aaron from – oh, well, actually, yeah, Matt or, Matt or Aaron, yeah. I'll ask both. Matt from Twitter says, how's Peter Dutton, who's Mini-Me's um, offsider, your brother's um, mini-major, how does Peter Dutton attending George Pell's funeral sit within Mini-Damo's attempts to warn Peter Dutton? Um, Matt, just remove remove the fact that, that I do have a family connection to 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 uh, Peter Dutton in this question. I have issue with people who die and people attending funerals and, and being judged for that. Now, I've got views on George Pell too, Hachi. I choose not to express them on this show because it doesn't matter what I think. But but when it comes to someone passing and friendships being had, I think you're allowed to attend a funeral um, as a close friend. I, I know that, that I would attend the funeral of someone I considered dear in my life um, provided I still had a relationship with that person to the point of passing. So I was a little bit uncomfortable with, with a, a lot of the protests and even even the statements being made about about some of that aspect. Now, You're uncomfortable with the protests. How, how, how would the, victim, how the alleged victims feel when they heard Tony Abbott say that George Powell was the greatest Catholic of our generation? Well, I don't, agree. Like, I, don't, I don't agree with that statement. Hachi. How, just, how insensitive a comment could that have possibly been? Well, that, 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 that's different to the question I've been asked to you, Hachi, about Peter Dutton attending. Okay, so the comments so around it, I don't agree him. with. I, I don't agree with, but my views on the, I, the Catholic Church, Hachi, again, I, I'm a Catholic. I was brought up Catholic. The stuff that has gone on inside that institution disgusts me. And so does George Powell's um, actions around aspects of it. But in terms of attending a funeral for someone, and this is, I'm trying to talk about it this way. I think you're entitled to attend a funeral for someone who, who you personally consider a friend. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, it's um, interesting that you've defended your brother and he's, uh, you but are conflicted. It's not about my brother, Hachi. The question was about Peter but- Dutton. So, okay. Peter Button. Peter, Peter Dutton. Dutton. Yep. So, yeah, there you go. So you've, you're, um, your allegiance has been uh, revealed there, which is fair enough. Aaron Kidney Asked, with Damo being the voice of the people in episode one and easily collecting the three votes, is 2023 the warming of Damo? <laughs> Do I need warming? <laughs> <laughs> Do you need warming? Well, maybe a little. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll follow up by asking this. On Saturday night, I was at the Big Bash final in Perth. Seven and Fox were both there on the night. They were there, were they? I, I was the actually... Out on both, Saturday night. I did have a TV both. on late in the piece. We had volume down. The uh, Crystal Club at Crown in Perth was awash with... High-profile commentators, Damo. Uh, my question to you is, did you feel the com- the coverage was markedly better? Well, again, I saw the last, say, let's go with last 40 minutes of that run chase by the Scorchers. We had a uh, we had Channel 7's coverage on, and it was excellent. Uh, my man did a fantastic job, as he always does, Brayshaw Hutchie. But I, I missed the lead-up to it, but I wasn't aware that both broadcasters were there because that had been an issue throughout the course of the summer, hadn't it? Hey, I've got one question to finish with. This is this was sparked by that question from Matt. It, I want your instinctive reaction to this. I mentioned Tony Abbott's comments at the funeral, which were hard to stomach. 
these are off the top of my head, these are our last five prime ministers. I might have missed one here, but these are the five that spring to mind. I want you to give me a mark out of ten, first thing that comes into your head, for how they behaved or performed post prime ministership. You ready? Yep. Tony Abbott. Ordinarily. So out of ten? Uh quickly. Four. Malcolm Turnbull. Two. Julia Gillard. Four. Kevin Rudd. Three. And ScoMo. Zero. Right. So you you really haven't I would mark Julia higher than that. Um but the other why, four. Why? Had, why? What 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 why? Well, it's just done a lot of public good in Has charity she? and philanthropic like, like work what? and what? What? Uh well um, Rattle them off, Blue and Depression and um Election at universities, and I just right. generally, I don't have a political view one way or another, but I since there's been a commitment to greater good. Well, actually, um, look, I'm just going back over the five. I've, I've wrote, I wrote them down as you asked me. Of the five, the well, I, was I, gave her, make, I gave her the highest mark. It was still under 10. Yeah. yeah. The point I'm trying to make is this. Um, we, we, we are breeding prime ministers who cannot handle being out of the office and aren't doing a great job when they get in in the first place. Like, we've got to fix this as a country. Pay the politicians more. Attract a better type of politician. We've got to stop um, penny-pinching and, oh, I can't be getting these perks. Pay them a fortune. They're running the country. They're running. They're taking between 25 and 48 cents in the dollar of everyone's earnings or whatever it is in a tax sense these days. That's a lot of money to represent our interests. Get better people to run the country. And do you, to do that, pay them more. Do you honestly reckon, though, paying them more would, would attract a different type of person? Well... Because you've still got to jump through the hoops, the, yeah. the, rubbish, the rubbish that well, goes on with being... I'll tell you what it might do, though. It might rule out some of the people getting to the power who... who it might put a higher entry level on the thing. Mm. Like, it's... We're Hachi, not, we couldn't we're have not had producing a, great leaders, are we? We arguably couldn't have had a more we? educated... Well, we couldn't have had a more of a diplomat than, than Turnbull. And, and he was he was a bomb, like everyone else has been, wasn't he? I mean... I, I probably have a... They've all got I, more, they've all think, got more think, views once they leave office, by the way. They've, they've, they can all yeah. solve the world's problems the moment they don't have the power to do so. I think, largely speaking, we look back a bit more fondly on the Howard Hawke-Keating era than we do on the Abbott-Turnbull, yeah. Gillard-Rudd-Skomo era. But, but, but they weren't scrutinised like these current ones are, yeah, I think. I, I, I mean, that, but it, I mean but Hawke wouldn't have survived with his... Well, he carried himself. He wouldn't have even got not, to the office. We're not producing elite prime ministers as a country, are we? No, but is that also so too? Is that also too the the, the the older sports lover bemoaning the seventies and eighties and nineties were better? Is is that is that well, sort maybe. of part I of that? I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. I'm just. <laughs> I asked you to give me the votes out of five on how that all performed. Since I, I watched Abbott's comments at the funeral, and my stomach uh, turned. To be honest. Um, Every time Kevin Rudd says something about New Zealand, I think this is a former prime minister of our country behaving this way. It's okay if you do. Um, and now he's the now he's um, yeah, and ScoMo and oh yeah, dear idea. So anyway, there you go. Um, what do you think? Let us know. Um, new segment today, calling it out. Uh, the validator bit there to deal with today on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a substandard prime minister, choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.